Tonight is question and answer night, and uh, I have three questions that we're going to deal with in our lesson this evening. I thought as I prepared this lesson, a phrase that used to be used with regards to one of the uh, supermarket tabloids, it was the phrase, inquiring minds want to know. And I thought how valuable that is is because when it comes to the scriptures, there are so many of you who will say, you know, Tony, I have heard this passage or that passage or heard this thing or that thing, and would you preach a lesson on it? And occasionally it's not long enough for a whole lesson, and so it fits well in these question and answer times. And so I encourage you, if you have a question you want to know, but I will also remind you that you can know. John 7 and verse 17, Jesus said, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is of God or whether I speak on my own authority. If you will to know, you want to know, you can read, you can study, you can compare, and you can find the answer in God's word. We've talked about the various kinds of questions. Some are textual. One of those questions will be used tonight. Some of them are topical, and we will use that also again tonight. And some are practical. And so there's three questions for tonight, and the first question is, which prayers will God not hear? Does he hear a sinner's prayer? Now, I will tell you that the person who asked the question was not asking about the quotation mark, sinner's prayer, but will he hear the prayer of a person who has committed sin? Well, let's discuss this because it could be taken in two different ways. The question could be asked, what is the type of person whose God will not hear their prayer? And talking about the individual and the second way is the type of prayer that God will not hear. Whether it is prayed by a person who is a Christian or a person who is not a Christian. What kind of prayer will God not listen to? Because if you get to the bottom line is, if you ask the question, will God hear a sinner's prayer? If he doesn't, he doesn't hear any of our prayers. Because Romans 3, verse 23 says, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When you start talking about the person whom God will not hear, there's a lot of debate about that. And let's, for a moment or two, explore that idea. John 9, verse 31, The man who was blind, whom the Lord healed, made a statement in John 9, 31. He said, Now we know that God does not hear sinners. Now, you think about that for just a moment. I've quite often had people tell me, John 9, 31 said, God does not hear the prayer of sinners. And I said, yeah, but do you know who said that? It's just like if you start quoting Scripture and you're quoting the words of the devil, or maybe even to some people very... Um, inaccurately and carelessly do. They quote various passages from the book of Job when Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar are the speakers whom God turned and said, these people don't know what they're talking about. 
you be, need to be very careful when you quote that you know who it is that is speaking. But let's explore some passages. Brother Joe read to us just a few moments ago from Psalm 66, verses 18 through 20. And there the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Proverbs 28, verse 9. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Isaiah 1, and verse 15. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. I can multiply several other passages along with these, but I think these are sufficient to point out that there are people whose prayer God will not hear. There are people whom God will not listen to what they are asking for. But then God did hear Cornelius' prayer. When you go to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, who gave generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision of the angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius? And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And so he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Did God hear Cornelius' prayer? says he did. Was Cornelius a Christian? Not at this time. I think the question has to be defined when you start talking about a person whose whose prayer God hears. A lot of it has to do with the heart of the individual who's praying. Is this person seeking to please God and to do what is right? Evidently, Cornelius was. Those whom are described in the Old Testament are those who chose to live in rebellion to God. There's a big difference between those two types of individuals. Now the question comes, well, will God save a person who prays a prayer to God? They may be sincere, they may be uh, uh, devout, but... Will God hear them pray a prayer that says, save me? I'd encourage you to study Acts 10 carefully. God's answer to Cornelius' prayer was to send him Peter. And Peter taught him the truth. And then Cornelius and his household were baptized. That leads to the second type of this prayer that will not be heard. And that is a type of prayer that God will not hear. And when a person prays a selfish prayer, one seeking to just please self, God won't listen to that. James 4, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. 
You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. There's some people whose their prayers are like this. God, give me this. God, give me that. Bless me with this. Bless me with that. And all they're interested in is what God will give them in the physical realm. If that's what your prayer is like, God, please give me a brand new Cadillac. God, please give me a brand new house. God, please give me... uh, Fame, please give me fortune. God doesn't listen to those prayer and answer affirmatively because all you are interested in, to use the phrase of the lesson we just studied a couple weeks ago from John 6, you're only here for the loaves and the fishes. You're only here for what you can get out of it. And God will not be abused like that. The second type of prayer that God will not hear is one that is contrary to his will. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah wanted to pray for the people. He loved the people. He wanted the people to be preserved. He didn't want Babylon to come and swoop in and destroy the nation of Israel. But God told Jeremiah, verse 16 of chapter 7, Therefore do not pray for this people, nor lift up cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Here's a godly man, Jeremiah, and he's saying to him, do not ask for the good of this people. Chapter 11, verse 14, chapter 14, verse 11. So do not pray for this people, lift up cry or prayer for them. Chapter 14, verse 11. The Lord said to me, do not pray for this people for their good. Do you know why God wouldn't hear that prayer? It was contrary to His will. These people had lived contrary to God. It was His judgment that they should be punished. In 1 John 5, verse 14, now this is the confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything, according to His will, He hears us. So that means that if I am asking God to do something which God has already stated explicitly in His will, I will not do, then I am asking wrong and God will not hear that prayer. Number three is a prayer that is prayed without faith. In James chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, he says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord, a double-minded man unstable in all of his ways. Well, will the Lord answer your prayer? I hope so. I don't think the Lord's going to answer me. People who don't believe in God, they don't believe in God's power, they don't believe in God's love, become unstable. Second question. Please explain the meaning of the term son of man. The phrase the son of man appears 190 times in the New King James, 192 in the the original King James. It represents a Hebrew way of saying this person bears the characteristics of whatever they are son of. 
For instance, let's look at a couple passages in the Old Testament. In the book of Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. There is a parallelism, if you will notice, between those first two clauses. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man he should repent. Saying son of man is the same thing as saying that he is a man. Psalm 80, verse 17. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Again, that parallelism. The first line says it one way. The second line comes and says it just a little bit differently, but means exactly the same. In those two verses, it's obvious that God is not a man, and he's not the son of man. He doesn't bear the characteristics of man. The one I like to use most often is found in Mark 3, verse 17. And it says there, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Do you want to know why these boys got that name? You want to know why James and John, Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder? Well, it doesn't take long realizing that when they come through that Samaritan village and they come to the Lord and they say, Lord, do you want us to call down fire out of heaven and consume them like Elijah did? And Jesus' response to them, you know not what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to seek to take men's lives, but to save them. They had a characteristic of a flash and a pan, of like a, a flame of fire or like the roaring of thunder. and Jesus nicknamed them that. It was a term used to describe and emphasize that Jesus took the form of man. I don't have it here, but John 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men and we beheld its glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 12, verse 34, Jesus answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? You see, their minds, they could understand the phrase, the Son of God. But when Jesus used the term, the Son of Man, he was trying to draw attention to his humanity. He's going to be lifted up on a cross. He's going to be crucified. Colossians 2 verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Inasmuch as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise said in the same that he through death might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus took on him the form of physical man. That's why he's called the Son of Man. Question number three. Please explain Matthew chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Should we expect God to speak through us? Now this question is due to a misprint that was in the bulletin a couple of months ago. It was supposed to be another passage of Scripture, and uh, there were several who come out and said, 
why don't you preach on Matthew 17 verses or 10, 17 through 20? And I said, well, that was a misprint in the bulletin. They said, well, do that on a question and answer night. So I said, okay, this is it. Let's listen to Matthew chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they shall deliver you up, do not worry about what or how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now the question that was asked by at least one later was, should a person expect God to provide us the answer? Should we expect God to speak through us? Well, let's explore the context here because it's extremely important. This passage was not written about all Christians. It was written about and to the apostles. Look with me at verse 2 and following. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Levius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. There's your twelve apostles. As you go a little bit further, you realize that these men were chosen by the Lord to go on a limited commission. That is, he sent them on a job. Verse 5 says, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's a specific job for a specific group of people. It's the apostles. The reason why he has them going into the cities to convert Jews, laying the groundwork for the kingdom, telling the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In order for them to do their job, Jesus empowered them with miraculous gifts. Verse 1 and verse 8 says, verse 1, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Now you think about that for just a moment. The things associated with this is people were going to be able to be healed. So as Peter would come through a town and he would preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand, if there was a lame man, he could help him walk. If there was a blind man, he could help him see. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, Cast out demons freely. You have received, freely give. They're going to go in these cities and they're going to work these miraculous gifts. But when they arrive there, they should expect resistance. Oh, there's going to be people who will not accept the message which they will be bringing. Verses 16 through 18, he says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Oh, you're going to go and there are going to be people who you're going to encounter who are going to do all kinds of things to you, he says. 
He says, beware of men, for they'll deliver you to councils and synagogues, scourge you in the synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. So what's his message? Don't worry about what you will say and how you will say it. That reminds me of Philippians 4 verse 6. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. These people shouldn't worry. They should realize they can ask God for blessing. He's going to provide it for them. How or what to speak. I'm going to tell you, every preacher I have ever known will confess to you that quite frequently when they go to the pulpit, they're concerned, what will I say and how will I say it? Will the lesson that I deliver be accepted the way I intended it? Will I choose the right words to speak? Because I don't expect the Lord to provide the words for me other than what he's already provided in his scriptures. But there have been times in the past where the speaker didn't have to worry. Exodus 4, verse 12 and verse 15, talking to Moses, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. Now you shall speak with him, and he will put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. That's Moses and Aaron's and I will teach you what to do. Verse 9, the Lord said, Do not say that I am a youth to Jeremiah. He said, You will go to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you will speak. Jeremiah said, He touched my mouth, and he put my, his words in my mouth. It was the Spirit speaking in them. Second Samuel 23, verse 2 the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and His Word was on my tongue. Um, I could go to several other passages, but I think I've driven the point home. When these 12 men went and they were encountering people challenging them, they didn't have to worry what they were going to say or how they were going to say it. The Spirit of God was on their tongue. The message they delivered was God's message. It's not the same today. Theirs was a miraculous message. Today, if you and I want to deliver the Lord's message, we first have to derive it from the Scriptures. And that is the message that we must deliver today. Questions are good. They help us to explore, to learn, to discover. I encourage you to ask questions if you want them delivered in these lessons. I also encourage you to ask questions that you yourself seek the answers for. We must always seek the Bible's answer because God's word is truth. John 8 verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And the Bible provides the answers to the most important questions of life. Where did I come from? Who am I? Where am I going? How do I get there? You know, after Jesus said he was going to prepare a place, he said, and when I come again, I'll receive to myself that where I am, there you may be also. John 14, verse 1, verse 3. He said, and where I go, you know, 
and the way you know. That's such an important statement. You want to go to heaven. I do too. How am I going to get there? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except through me. Are you a Christian? If you're not, you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You need to be placed into the body of Christ where salvation can be found. If you're a child of God and you're not walking with Him, what do I need to do? I need to come back and I need to be restored to faithfulness, to be pleasing to God. If you need to respond, would you come as together we stand and sing?